0: Any truth that we espouse is constantly evolving. That is to say that whatever is true presently is not necessarily going to be true in the future and certainly wasn't always true in the past. Verity is an evolutionary process. But it's not the kind of evolution that takes place in biology. When we think of the word evolution, we think of a biological happening. But we have to bring that exact happening into the realm of consciousness, into the realm of the grand form of consciousness. And the grand form of consciousness is really this conscious happening that takes place through all of being and phenomena and and various events, however you want to look at uh, generalized happening that takes place in the world. This sort of thread of, again, events being phenomena is all recorded in this larger, grand form of consciousness that is that something happens and that happening is eternalized. And we're, we're just deeming this sort of eternalization uh, as some, a, a component of the grand form of consciousness. As something that happens within this dimension, within this realm right and and this dimension this realm is all sort of um uh, propped up through being right there is some sort of being that creates an event that uh, takes place within phenomena that is it, that happening that event again that takes place through being is recognized through consciousness And that conscious recognition is something that we are terming and that has been termed in a philosophical war as the grand form of consciousness. That thing which is eternalized, which has happened and through its happening has influenced all the rest of being, of events, and subsequently of phenomena itself. So we have to think of truth, of verity, as something that is evolving, that is emerging, that is continually in a state of flux and evolving. However, again, it's not necessarily the same kind of evolution that takes place within biology because it's happening on a much larger, more macro level than that of a singular organism. Normally, when we think of a biological evolution, we think of something happening on a molecular level. Um, The DNA, the genome sequence is transformed. There is something that happens within a particular organism that allows that organism to survive uh, or or just to cause, again, a mutation. And that mutation allows it uh, to better work and survive within the world, which is also absolutely within this uh, realm of being, a realm of events and, and f- again, subsequent phenomena. Um, however, within the evolution of consciousness in the grand form of consciousness, it it takes the opposite approach. So it might be the same kind of process, uh, evolution on uh, the scale of the grand form of consciousness might be the same kind of process. Um, That is something happens and that happening influences um, the, the organism. However, in the grand form of consciousness's case that organism is the totality of being and events and again that subsequent phenomena the recognition of those being beings and and well be, that being capital b or you know the subsequent particularized individualized beings small b uh and uh that other arena of events and uh, again that that phenomena the phenomenology that is the conscious recognition of those happenings as well so again the grand form of consciousness is an uh, it, it's organism its recognition its evolution is happening on this much more macro scale because anytime that phenomena uh, is occurring, that occurrence, even if it's on this sort of butterfly effect, molecular, this this smaller level butterfly effect, and even I should say, uh, a, a an even more microcosmic level uh, that might take place you know, within a uh, genome or within a cellular level or, or even a molecular uh, uh, atomized or, or uh, you know, go even further quark or um, you know, something that is atomic or subatomic. Uh, regardless, the scale, at least to us, and perceptibility here is everything, because the scale of all these things is really only in the mind of the observer, in the subjective conscious of the observer. But the scale of this does not really matter. The scale is truly, truly, truly inconsequential, um, because regardless of whether or not new being occurs new events occur this this kind of evolution occurs on w- whether it on uh, occurs on the smallest of physical levels such as again the subatomic level or whether it occurs at the largest of of levels within being it doesn't matter because it's still that happening that newness that uh, uh, novel occurrence is still something that is recorded within the grand form of consciousness, which creates time, which creates a kind of new being and a, a kind of new status, um, an evolution of all of being in a singular fell swoop rather than having evolution occur just on this uh, much smaller microscopic organism you know type level. So when we talk about evolution within the grand form of being, the, the significance of this is is absolutely monumental, regardless of your perspective, uh, whether you're looking at this from a, a cellular level or, or something that is, uh, you know, kind of mega being, um, because it impacts all of being. It is this, uh, again, to go back to a a completely over phrased terminology, this butterfly effect. And for those of you who don't know what the butterfly effect is, it's this, uh, this sort of, um, if you want to call it thought experiment that a the, the simple consequence of of an individual's, uh, of an individualized butterfly's wings flapping, uh, in China might affect the weather, uh, in Quebec, um, you know at, at some point. So, so the smallest of things, the the most perceptibly or even non perceptibly, uh, minutest of of happenings and, and details within the larger scheme scheme of being uh, will affect the larger totality of being. But that's exactly what we're talking about here. It's it's this capacity for any and all happening to affect any and all happening. Um, Just because we see something occur within being, no matter how perceptibly ineffectual we think that happening uh, to be, doesn't mean that it doesn't have this ripple effect throughout all of being. And yes, that's a, a very lauded, um, uh, again, almost at this point, watered down notion However, we need to see the importance of novelty within being, within phenomena, within the happening itself, because the subjective consciousness, small c consciousness, uh, interacts with antiquity uh, that was given to it by by uh, by the the antiquity of of being and events that have come before it. Um, And that interaction then, of course, comes to uh, evolve, again, quote, unquote, evolve into uh, that interaction evolves the, the happening that occurs next. And this continualized happening is the process of time. Uh, it is what time is. Time is the recording of the grand form of consciousness on this macro level. It's the uh, summation of all that is within, within the realm of, of verity, uh, within, within this happening of um, subjective consciousnesses and it should be clarified that consciousness at least in our realm in our terminology a thing can be conscious without actually having this nervous system like consciousness that we that we tend to attribute to things that have consciousness um Yes, yes, William James uh, uh, had an essay that in which he stated um, there are only conscious beings. There is not this form of consciousness that we continually refer back to. It really is tit for tat and a matter of mere terminology because at the end of the day, We're more or less talking about roughly the same thing. Uh, It's it's a language game when we really, really break it down. But for the sake of argument, uh, I think it does us better justice to look at this happening as um, a grander form of consciousness, of there are subjective consciousnesses that contribute to and interact with one another, whether those subjective consciousnesses now also, it should be noted that those subjective consciousnesses, again, uh, certainly might not have nervous systems, but nevertheless, they have experiences, they have, um, what process philosophy would call, um, events that they, they interact with, with various things causing events and these events come to make up the being that we, uh, all experience in some way or another, whether, uh, whether the kind of subjective consciousness we have, um, well, regardless of what kind of subjective consciousness we have, There is, at least in our terminology, and certainly within our terminology, within a philosophical war, we refer to this as um, the grand form of consciousness. The, The happening of subjective beings, whether or not those subjective beings are considered traditionally, quote unquote, conscious or not, the events that happen to them are Recorded are scribed onto this larger phenomenological event. Something recognizes these happenings and puts them into some sort of sequence and ties them all together and helixes them all in. And there, there is some sort of larger recognition, some sort of larger. Oh, peripheral um, kind of again acknowledgement of all of these happenings, even if it's ha- even if those happenings are broken down to occurring on these very singular subjective levels, they again come to both be influential, consequential. Um, And to an extent, um, really very much, well, all all just just sewing the fabric of uh, this very universal quilt that covers all of being, all of Verity, all of consciousness itself. Of course, we can't have consciousness without it being conscious of something. So in order for there to be, as we've already stated many times, in order for there to be consciousness, consciousness must be conscious of something. And in order for there to be something, uh, something must be conscious of it. And our way to and uh, it, me, the critique of it might be that we're skirting talking about a god however as we've if if we were familiar with a philosophical war we know that we think that the word God is so overplayed and so outdated and so confused that it should be expunged from language altogether because we we simply don't know what we are talking about. When we say the word God, we have no clue or idea what, what that reality actually is. We have only various fragments of ideas, uh, all of which are impressed upon us at least in our normal subjective con a normal subjective consciousness all the ideas that we have uh, about again the word god the being which relates to the being of god are are all given to us in normal ways uh i should say is a, ca- a caveat to that, in nor in normal subjective happenings and in, in normal subjective perspectives on this word god that again we associate with this being of god the connotations of that are almost for all of us and none of us can really escape this it's a part of it's a part of being a subjective human being with a consciousness right all of those connotations um, largely or just just about are given to us through, uh, again, antiquity, through our culture, through our heritage, through our family, through what we have learned about that happening, what we think we know, what we then uh, basically want. Basically, and here's the larger point with this, basically our understanding of what this quote-unquote God for us is is what we want it to be. Let me say that again. Our understanding of God is what we want it to be. However, you can take that and transpose the word God with basically any other word. And you come up with a very similar understanding and a very similar relationship to that word to that happening to that being that exists with that exists within your own phenomenology. So, this grand form of consciousness simply is the scribe that composes verity. Now, what, again, God is, is so far removed. The reality of of what we think this thing God is is so far removed from our comprehension. And I think we can all agree on that. I don't think that there's any room even to begin to debate that the being that is, quote, unquote, God. That again, I hate, I just hate that word. It's Nobody knows what we're talking about when we say that word. So it's it's useless to even speak of it, which is why we've supplanted it, at least in our neo-language here, why we've supplanted it with verity. Verity being that which is absolute, undeniably, true verity is that which is truth itself so verity exists there's no there's no denying verity's existence verity is something that is as close to you as your own breath and as as far from you as the molecular happenings within a star uh, within a a, a a the the beam of a star's light on the other end of the universe itself so verity is the occurrence verity is what is it's the happening it is the being with that is it is being that is. With itself and with this grand form of consciousness as an entirety, as a movement, as a reflective recognition, redoubling of its own self within itself. And we understand that this language is um, or could be conveyed as double speak or so ambiguous that it says nothing at all. Uh, However, given the mode of conceptualization that we are, the spell really is a better word for it, of conceptualization that we are all under. um, These kind of, uh, you know, language games that wind up at cul-de-sacs within themselves are often the best we can do uh, at a, a description because reality is so far removed from language, which is precisely why we say that we need to just get rid of the word God and just just forget it because any connotation you have about God is not the reality of, of what this thing that you think should be or even if you think it doesn't exist, this this word guy, or this this being that's attached to this word God doesn't it, it truly just does not matter because there is reality and that reality comes from a place. And this is this is uh not to be tangential about things, but this is what Ah, uh, the cosmological argument, which is a classic theological argument, would would have to uh, uh, espouse about this, is that um, that everything has a cause, and there's a first cause, and that first cause is God. But of course, then, the logical critique to the cosmological argument is well, what caused God if everything has uh, its own cause, and, and then the response to that again to just be slightly more tangent gentle is that, um, God is so ultimate that it, it is its own cause, but we we don't have to play such a complicated language or a logistical game. Um, within verity we we can simply see that reality is what it is as it is as it always has been there there is no always there is no past there is no no future um there is only what is here in 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 the present uh, what is scribed through what we would think of as the past um is this sort of uh, again, to say, even to say memory um, uh, of being isn't truly correct because for reasons we don't want to quite get into right now, um, time is is not as linear as uh, we as subjects would see it. Of course, time is bound to being. That is, it is bound to this realm. In which things progress in a linear sequence, because of course, within the realm of being, there is only evolution, and this is what we are uh, what we are originally talking about is is that evolution as such is not truly and exactly the process of a biological or even phenomenological happening. I should say, it's not the process of this wrong emphasis. It's not the process of a biological or even a phenomenological or a phenomenological happening. <laughs> um, uh, the third time's a charm. Um, it's in this, again, quote-unquote evolutionary process. Verity always is and it always has been because it's verity because it's it's truth it's what is real what is real isn't exactly necessarily what it doesn't necessarily evolve because it always existed, even if it only existed in potentiality. And that might be, again, almost too abstract for most people's likings, but I'm we're, we're, we're not trying to pander here. We're, we're trying to speak truth uh, and speak about verity as it is. And that's what verity is. Verity is what is. And, it is, and and to describe it is how it is and, and as it is. So verity is unbounded by time. Verities exist within potentiality and are brought forth into being. However, the problem is it's that our subjective consciousnesses, small c with consciousnesses, only perceive the happening as a linear one. Whereas in truth, if you take one's subjective consciousness out of this realm of uh, linear progression, out of this realm of being in which things are progressing in one way and one way only if we can get beyond the singular consciousness and again tap into that grand form of being, potentiality and actuality will merge. Because in truth, again, in taking this broad perspective, in what is veritable, what is potential, that actualizes will again dematerialize into potentiality. Just as what is actual will dematerialize into potentiality to again at some point or in some perspective actualize. So... That actualization or that potentiality is truly a matter of perspective. What is actual here in the 21st century was only potential in the 1st century. And and for many things, for many happenings within being and, and the grander form of consciousness, vice versa. What is potential in the 21st century was actual in the first century but to even say the word was is a misnomer because perspective within this what we see as a timeline is is only true for us as subjects it doesn't That subjectiveness does not exist for the grand form of consciousness. If we are to tap into the grand form of consciousness, potentiality and actuality exist on the same plane. There's no distinction between potentiality and actuality. Because, and this is where it becomes difficult for us as subjects to understand. Because being and potentiality, th- that is, that which is brought forth, are one and the same. There's no distinction. Everything exists and simultaneously does not exist. But it's this very metaphysical space. Um, which can't really exist on its own, which is why there is a physical space, which is why there is a realm of being. Because you cannot have nothingness without creation. You cannot have being without non-being. You cannot have life without death. You cannot have black without white. That's where this answer to what created God becomes Again, this quote-unquote word God, this being that we think we understand, that we refer to back as God. This answer to, well, this goes back to this cosmological argument of everything has a first cause. Well, wait one second, what caused God? Nothing. Nothing caused God. Nothing caused being. Nothing caused phenomena. Nothing. The answer is nothing. I want you to think about that if If we're listening to this as a recording, if this ever gets released i want you I want you to pause it here and think about that truly think about that. What caused all of this? the answer, however unfortunate and simplistic you might think it is, is nothing. Nothing costs it. Because nothing is the flip side to all of this. And if we really look at this, quote-unquote, which is now being thrown into the same categorization as, quote-unquote, God, this, quote-unquote, whatever is happening here within, quote-unquote, being, within, quote-unquote, phenomenology, within, quote-unquote, the realm of events, well, nothing cost it. Because it is itself... nothing we see it as something because there is consciousness because there is something <laughs> maybe the only the only thing we can categorically say that is something that recognizes it that is aware of it. Without awareness, nothing could be. But you, there could be awareness of nothing. But that's awareness of awareness. Which is... Ugh, sorry. Something. <laughs> it's maddening, isn't it? all of this, whatever, quote-unquote, this is, it's all nothing. It all comes from nothing, and it will all revert to nothing, just as, just as. And every person who has a yin-yang tattooed somewhere on their body hopefully, hopefully had some minor insight of this before they decided to impress this upon their skin. There is being within non being and non being within being. There there has to be. There there is Always, this is a rule of both creation and non being. What is is not, and what is not is. You cannot have. Something without nothing. And you cannot have nothing without something. You cannot have, again, white without black. Left without right. To create one thing creates its opposite. And yet, in the same vein, its opposite. To not create anything is to have the potentiality. For everything. So, this grand form of consciousness that we all partake in, that we are all subjects within and simultaneously create, it is nothing less than our very selves. Our very individual, particularized selves. This whole happening, this whole realm of perspective, of being, of recognition, of cognizance, that is amazingly, fantastically, phenomenally, Processed through our, in retrospect, comparative to other being, is processed through our very, very small brains. Yet these very small physical beings give us infinite perspective. infinite access to, infinite participation with. And that, in and of itself, is the beauty, the mystique, the glory and grace of what it is to be a human being. To have this perspective. To be able to to reflect on it, to contemplate it, to participate, and then ultimately to act within all of these things. Again, it is the being with it, it is caressance. It is this conjoining of subjective with objective that forms this non-jectivity this combination of subjectivity and objectivity that blends together and... Uh, there, there is truly no distinction. That's what this is. A bunch of nothing. And certainly... a whole lot of everything. How much of either is experienced is truly and veritably up to us